0: Hi and welcome to this week's episode. This is Dr. Avine Banish. I have a great interview coming up with Wendy Oberg, owner and founder of The Yoga Room, which is currently in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, but soon to be expanding to other locations. Uh, I really enjoyed this interview. We talked about a lot of my passions, yoga, motherhood, travel, and then Wendy at the end shared a really challenging incident that happened to she and her family on a recent trip um, on the Insights And the wisdom that she's gleaning from that, I think are really worthwhile to listen to. But before we get started, I just wanted to mention that the wholehearted weight loss circle is opening and we kick off January 3rd. I just wrapped the fall circle and many of those women had amazing success, not just in the area of weight loss, but in other areas of their lives too. So I will link in the show notes where you can learn all about it and sign up if you're you're feeling called. So, um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. All right. Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer podcast. I'm so thrilled today to have a dear friend and just a really amazing human on the podcast, Wendy Oberg. Um, Wendy and I met in Eau Claire years ago. Uh, We have kids that are kind of like steps of stairs, similar ages. And, um, I really came to know Wendy when she opened the yoga room in Eau Claire, which is just a an amazing yoga space. I've taught and I've been in many yoga studios in my life, and the yoga room from its onset just had a really magical feeling and a feeling of wholehearted living. And so that's why one of the many reasons why I have asked Wendy to be a guest on the podcast today. So welcome, Wendy. Hi,
1: Avin. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I can't wait. It's so wonderful to hear your voice and to connect on a snowy day here in Colorado in December. So why don't we start off just by maybe you can give us a little background for those who don't know you um, and kind of how you came to your journey of opening this space in Eau Claire, the yoga room. Absolutely.
1: So quite early on, my aunt who lived in L.A. had introduced me to yoga. And right after I graduated from college, I would do a couple of classes with her and immediately fell in love with. I just never really found a tool in my life that felt so healing on all levels. So then I spent the next decade or so in pursuit of recreating that experience I had in my early yoga days in L.A., and eventually, I went on to become a uh, get my teacher training certification and would teach yoga. At one point in my life, I was teaching yoga in nine different spaces a week and loving it. And eventually, I just said, "Okay, it's time." And I decided I was going to open a space in Eau Claire. And I just reached out to everyone I knew, like you, and about ten other teachers, and said, "Let's all kind of pool what we do in one space." And what I loved about when we created the yoga room is a lot of times yoga seems to have like a style or a brand and they do either hot yoga or they do slow yoga. There's like one certain like brand or, or lineage of yoga. And when we opened the yoga room, it was really a fusion space that you could have in one of our studios, a hot yoga sculpt with hundred degrees and hip hop music. And then in the next studio, a yin class happening. And pretty soon, yogis that would come in for one style of yoga would look across the hall and go, why am I sweating? They're laying on bolsters. And then they'd take a (laughs) taste over there. and, And it was just amazing. Pretty soon, just more and more teachers kept coming. And pretty soon, we had 30 of the most amazing yoga teachers. Everybody had their own kind of special magic that they brought to the space. And we just kept growing and growing and growing.
0: Yeah, it really is a hub and there's a, I, I always come and take classes whenever I return to Eau Claire and there's just this sustained energy. There's this sustained sense of community every time I step back in. And can you talk about, Wendy, how, how that was created? How it's such a welcoming space. I mean, I think yoga for many people can be intimidating. Certainly the first time you step into a space, um, you, it can feel foreign, it can feel overwhelming because it's you know so new or something different especially as adults i think it's sometimes hard to try new things but there's just a different feel at the yoga room
1: there really is and i think first of all it's called the yoga room room for everyone and we really took that to heart that you don't have to be any size or shape or know anything about yoga because i feel like like as a mom of four, there's like a million ways I feel like I'm letting everyone down and can't seem to find somebody's belt and somebody's keys. And we're kind of like juggling all of these things and we're these shape shifters in our lives. And then like when you walk through the yoga room doors, the only rule is there's no rules. You want to leave your shoes on, you need to leave early. It's just a space where you come and you actually can't do anything wrong. And as long as you breathe and you move and you show up, that's kind of all we ask of you. And we just do that really well. One of the things that I really was excited about when I designed the space with Mike is we had glass walls. And I know a lot of people think that was like, wait, that's weird. But for me, I didn't, I wanted everybody to feel like they were connected to everybody in the space. And you feel that, like, again, whether you know the person's name next to you or you even give them eye contact, you can feel each other's presence and that we're all there really rooting for one another. And I also really think part of it is the people that I would bring in to be yoga room teachers, they were those people that were just bright, light, that just kind of, the minute you walk in the door, we're known for a hard welcome. Like you are going to be seen and noticed. And and pretty soon we have um, people that find their perfect class. And then the next thing you know, it goes beyond our teacher's actually our members like wind up kind of almost becoming ambassadors and welcoming people. And I think that that part of that was that we had so many different styles and so many teachers that nothing ever felt competitive. It just felt like this big pool of like, let's just see what happens. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yes. Yeah. And can, mm-hmm. you, um, can you share, like think of any story or any anecdote of, You know, someone who, who came maybe, and you don't have to use any names, but someone Mm -hmm. who, you know, found their, like yoga as their tool, um, through the yoga room.
1: I see. There are so many stories. I get 20 year old college girls who feel lost because like everything they knew from, you know, high school to suddenly they feel whole again when they come in there to moms, people making friendships, um I people that have suffered true tragedy come in there and for an hour they feel okay. Um they feel like they have a, a chance to to breathe another day. Um we've just had so many. I'm trying to think of one in particular and for some yeah, reason no, nothing I, I can really all come those, to mind.
0: All yeah. those and I, I feel like um you know in there's this idea of community or sangha or, mm-hmm. and I think the spaces in our world are becoming, there are less of those, right? Mm-hmm. It used to be that we would gather um, at churches and people of course still do that, but especially even during COVID, that seems like it's, it's decreased a little bit, or there were just more spaces to gather years ago. And I think that the yoga room is about yoga but it feels like it's more about bringing people together in that sense of community oh
1: you're absolutely right and and it's really interesting because i i think like back when yoga was created like everybody lived on top of one another and right. you would go do your yoga practice to be alone because you're like oh thank goodness but i feel like now we're actually really isolated a lot of us, like, especially now working from home and with our phones, and we actually don't have a lot of opportunity for human contact. And we, like, in yoga speak, we talk about humans need to be around each other. And we we charge one another. It's called, like, a pranic charge in the yoga world. And what happens is you enter this room, and by being around other humans, like, we we lift our vibrational quality. And so I really, really believe that, like, group classes and community classes are, are like what we absolutely need to, to live at our highest state. And so that's what the space, we we really kind of encourage that. I will often, if I see two people sitting on a mat that don't know each other, introduce each other or there's something in common and next thing you know, the women have a coffee club after yoga or yeah. it just kind of has this ripple effect.
0: Yeah, and there's something about someone you know going to a class where someone else knows you're going to be there there's also a little bit of accountability right you're more likely to go if you know you'll be missed absolutely and we see you we
1: notice you if we Hi. don't see you and your friends notice you and your new people notice you and and you wind up and like you wind up moving your body and you just feel a little better and you breathe a little better and then <laughs> Nobody ever leaves afterwards. Everybody's just kind of lingering in the halls and meaningful conversations start to happen. and it's it's there's something really, really cool about that.
0: Yeah, and another thing I love, Wendy, and I think a lot of this has to do with your energy is sometimes yoga can feel very serious and very heavy. And then you know there is definitely a place for you know true tradition and we want to honor the roots of yoga. But I think one of your superpowers is the lightheartedness that you bring to the practice. Um, And and at the same time, you can transmit those roots without making it feel super serious. Is that something that you actively work towards? Or is that just kind of your way?
1: (laughs) Oh, well, no, it really, well, it is my way. (laughs) Absolutely. But I also think yoga feels a little scary sometimes for people. They, they're like, wait, I don't know the rules. I'm going to have to like know some secret language. And then you're right. Like we get really serious about it. And I, I, I feel like it's absolutely the opposite. Yoga is supposed to be joyful and uplifting and create lightness. And so if we kind of come in with this container where, where there's rules and signs and all of that pretty soon, you actually can't feel like yourself and you can't feel like you can let go because you're so worried about doing something wrong. And so, yes, one of my my teachers, Sydney, would always say, I love this line. She would say, the longer I teach yoga, the more important it becomes to me, but the less seriously I take it. And I just thought that was such a beautiful way of putting it because it's just yoga. I say that all the time. It's just yeah. yoga.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you... You look at realized beings, right? You look at the Dalai Lama, and there is a joyfulness and a lightness. So I think we're on the right track if we're moving towards that. Oh,
1: absolutely! And if we're like, why are we doing all of this? We're doing it to be happier, and so whatever brings the joy and laughter, yeah, and and smiling, you know, that's where we get there.
0: And then, you know, another big part I feel of the yoga room is the sense of adventure and travel because you have created a really successful and wonderful retreat aspect to your studio. You want to talk about that? Yes.
1: So I think, well, one of the things I love about yoga is like people push their boundaries a little bit. Um, I tend to teach a vinyasa flow-based class where I'll have an arm balance and, suddenly we have a 45-year-old woman doing an arm balance. And maybe a year ago, she's like, I would see people do that. And I would say, oh my goodness, I will never do that. And I love watching people do things that they said I can never do. And then that gives us a little courage and a little grit. And then like, it really doesn't matter what happens the rest of the day because we're secretly side-eyeing people like, listen, I took pro pose today. So I am invincible. Right. And so, yeah, so that's what I love about teaching is kind of pushing those boundaries and moving beyond fear and what better way to do that than travel. Because when you travel, you, you actually have no idea what's up next. You experience everything new and fresh and you have to be a little courageous and have a little grit and, um, you know, last year I was talking about if you traveled, you were truly a a magic maker and magic is pulling off the seemingly impossible. And so many parts of travel kind of feel impossible, but we make it happen.
0: I love that. So where do you go? Where do you take people on retreat? Well, I I love a
1: beach. There's nothing (laughs) like being being barefoot right all of the things like anything that can you know the things that we know actually lead to healing and joy which is moving your body being in community with others and of course being in nature so i love to be where we can barefoot walk in the sand swim in the ocean feel the sun um be in the jungle so so my 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 home base for retreating is nosara costa rica and then we've also picked up a couple other spaces including Tulum and a space in Belize as well
0: I love that. And what to you, you know, you've traveled widely, my friend. Mm-hmm. So, what about Nosara? What, why are you called there?
1: Nosara is a blue zone. And they're saying is no shirt, no shoes, no Sara. And it's a really special place because, like, a lot of times when we go, To these beautiful beach locations, you're sort of in a I have to stay at the resort just for safety. Whereas when you go to Nosara, you really within a few days, you feel like you live there. It is literally a jungle to ocean space. And and like I said before, it's a blue zone. And then what happens is so in these blue zones, if you ever look into this, these people live, they, they reportedly live happier, healthier lifestyles, which is again the mission statement of the yoga room: be happy, be healthy, do yoga. And so you kind of almost kind of merge into their way of life. You slow down a little bit. You tend to find yourself walking outside. They spend most of their days outside eating really fresh, enjoying the sun and talking with people they enjoy. And that's what we do on retreat. So we kind of cultivate our own little pod of a blue zone.
0: I love that. That kind of sounds like heaven on earth, doesn't
1: it? Mm -hmm. It is great.
0: And how does travel and yoga cultivate resiliency, right? Because we want things to be perfect all the time, um, but that's not life. That's not being human for most of us. Um, So how how does travel, how does practicing yoga on a regular basis, you think, allow us to live more wholeheartedly? Well
1: I think when you practice yoga you so it's a science right it's a science because its results are repeatable so you start moving your body and on a holistic level everything feels better right your lymphatic system gets amped your you know fresh oxygenated blood to your cells so you kind of get this whole little alchemy of magic happening just on the physical level to your body so your body starts to feel better And then you get these moments of clarity. Maybe you sleep a little better, you move a little better. And then it's like you can let down and you start to actually take a moment where you hear who you are again.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because we get really, really inundated. I think it's something like, it used to be 5,000 ad impressions a day. And I think it's now closer to like 20,000 ad impressions a day that we receive. And every one of those Ads is usually telling you you're not safe enough. You have like the wrong shoes, like something is not enough. And then you come to yoga and you actually get to block all of that out and you tune back in and you realize you actually know things, you trust yourself, you trust yourself like being okay. It's as simple as it is. Like you take a balance pose, like tree pose and you wobble and you fall out and lo and behold, you survive and you try again. And you, in these really low stakes way, cultivate the skills that you want perseverance survival trust in yourself getting back up and at the end of the day you just feel better and you knew that you you made the choice to do that and then it gets a little bit easier to do it the next day and the next day and then ultimately so one of there's a couple of like truths that I hold in my yoga is that we do yoga to respond more and react less And we all know what happens when we have a quick tongued reaction to something. Um, Sometimes we then have an apology to make. Whereas when we do yoga, you know, when we're breathing and we're inserting these spaces in between a posture, we're actually, whether we really even know it or not, we're cultivating the ability to create a little bit of space. And it's in those spaces that then you respond from your heart rather than from perhaps your damaged ego or a misperception of something. So then, as we just trust, a little pause, a little space, we feel a little better. We're a little lighter. We're just nicer, and then that kind of has that ripple effect.
0: That's so true, and that's how we—that's how we live from our whole self, ra- rather than that compressed version of ourselves where we're almost right. dissociated from ourselves. You know, um, and life gets a little oh, so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's what happens. Like a lot of times I see people that have never done yoga before and they're like always embarrassed because I, I, I do tend to make people laugh, but a lot of people cry in my class and they're like, I don't know why I'm crying. And I think it's like you said, because they actually just for a moment shed that armor And they were just tender with themselves for a little bit. And then there's that release and it's really, really important. So it's the exhales, it's the crying, it's the sweating, it's all of that.
0: Yeah. And I think too, I mean, you mentioned yoga as a science. I think it's Mm. also this reminder that sometimes we just have to get up and do something before we feel ready in order (sighs) to change our state. You know, a lot of people, I think, say like, I'm going to start this when I feel better. I'm going to start this when I have time, but really it's the opposite, right? It's doing the thing to change how you feel. Rather Absolutely. Than you feel and then doing the thing.
1: And, and you don't ever have to really want to do yoga, but you do it anyway. And that's exactly what you're saying. We, we change to what we like, we're changing every second of every day. And when we actively choose to do yoga, it's like we're saying, I'm gonna have a little skin in the game and decide how I want to change. I want to have more patience, more presence, more love, more connection, more strength, more flexibility. I want to be balanced, right? Nobody's ever like, oh, balance is just not a bad thing. You've never been like, oh, that meal was so balanced or oh, that person is so bad. That wine was way too balanced, right? Like, so you actually move and you become more balanced. You become in harmony with yourself and And like you said, you don't really have to want to do it. Just do it anyway. Like sometimes I'll even end my classes and like, I'll be like, put a big smile on your face. And people put the half smile. I'm like, no, the creepy teeth smile. And then pretty soon the whole room's laughing. And that's just such an example of how you can create a shape with your body that creates the condition you want in your life. And that's what we do in yoga. I love that.
0: You are a busy, very busy mama of four wonderful children. Um, how has, how has your journey with yoga affected motherhood for you?
1: Ooh, that's a great one. So I was like when my first, so I have an 11 year span from oldest to youngest 21, 18, 15 and 10. And the first two, I was more of just a, you know, I was just practicing yoga. I didn't really know that much about it. I would just do it and go home and, you know, not sell the children because I did yoga that day. And so, um, I was, oops, sorry about that. No worries. I don't know what that is. Sorry. Okay. So yeah, so I have, um, 21 down to 10 and with my first two, I was a parent that was really about like making sure they were really well-behaved children and, very well right (laughs) yes exactly that is not what you do and then I went through my yoga teacher training right after right when my my little ones maybe were born and I was like oh now I get it so I sort of raised my bottom two to be more free-spirited follow your light baby that kind of a mom so my my first two are like very compliant. They'll play by the rules and they know how to make everybody else happy. But then how did, you know, I, I had to kind of backtrack and remind them that it's actually about how they don't have to worry about like pleasing someone else. They need to find what their true path is. Whereas my younger two are more of my wild children. Mm-hmm. but They're so unbelievably joyful at heart because I've just really encouraged them a little differently. Um, and then of course, let's just be honest, like, it it some days when you don't know what else to do, you just go do yoga.
0: <laughs> that is so true.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and I love it. Clearly, it works because the family will at times go like, "When was the last time you got a yoga practice in?" Which is telling me it's time to go do yoga.
0: Right. They just come and yeah. get you, mat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Sometimes too, so actually.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: think. You know, you're just a wonderful example to me, Wendy, of someone who is naturally joyful. You know, I know yoga has maybe amplified that. I think that's your natural state. And you're someone who just really makes people feel included and and able to show up, you know, as themselves. And I think when I talk about or I think about wholehearted living, you're just mm. such a wonderful example of that.
1: Well, thank you. And I really love that concept of more is more. And I think that if we unite with people, we're just going to, life is easier. Like one of the things I do at the yoga room is I absolutely surround myself with people that are better at things than me. And like, we all kind of have our special trait and it makes my life easier.
0: Yeah. That more is more and that, you know, I think that's a very feminine principle too, right? It's like, it doesn't have to be cutthroat. It's not that competition is not going to get us there, right? It's really looking at the strengths of the community and allowing people to shine for who they are.
1: And I think that there is, like you said, competition and we are sort of trained, like we're competing with the person next to us. And then we're always in this competition with ourselves. And We don't have any time for any of that at the yoga room. Like there's just no competition. There's no comparison. There's no judgment. I mean, in fact, the whole mantra of this year was anytime judgment creeps in, right? You just move to compassion anytime you feel that. And so I think that like, that's what we first work on just with ourselves first. And then that will just be how you naturally interact with everybody else in your life.
0: Yeah. And that's a, that's a lifelong practice.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: So what's, what's next for the yoga room? Well, we're, we're currently
1: in growth phase. We have um, two spaces we're looking at moving forward. And of course, it's always fun when you get the city to meet the architects and the codes and the statutes, but we are looking to bring more yoga rooms. It feels right. Room for more
0: throughout, throughout the country. I think that's really exciting. Yeah. want to bring one to Colorado, I'd be very excited. Okay. Okay. As long as you'll teach. <laughs> <laughs> I, love that. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. Wendy, thank you for your time. Is there anything that we didn't touch upon that you'd love to talk about today? Um,
1: I don't know. Did we want to talk about the other things we were talking
0: about? Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here. I just wanted to pause and give a heads up that in the upcoming portion of my conversation with Wendy she shares a story with some violence and assault that happened to her family recently. And if that feels triggering for you today, just feel free to sign off now. If you do have the space for it, I feel that her story is really remarkable um, in showing us that our practice day in and day out with the breath and with yoga and mindfulness and meditation really do make a difference in how we respond to some really challenging events in our lives popped on here today, we talked a mm-hmm. little bit about a major a major life event that just happened to you and your family um, in the setting of travel. and I feel it's relevant in the setting, you know when you talk about how yoga allows you space to kind of see situations and respond versus react. And I wondered if you wanted to share you know what happened to you and your family a little bit just last week.
1: Absolutely, I would be, um, yeah, I would like to talk about that a little bit as our family was um, a victim of an assault and pretty violent attack on our family and just how we, how we had to bond and, and kind of instinctually spring to action to figure out how to survive. Yeah, tell us what happened. Um, we were walking at night on a dark jungle path. And somebody came out of the the jungle and took like a two by four to my husband's head. And down he went to the ground. We turned around and actually thought maybe he had died momentarily. And it was really interesting. And I had said this, like, you never know how you're going to respond in a scenario where you're actually under attack and you think you're in the fight for your life. And apparently my response was to channel my inner brave heart and run face first into the attacker um, followed by my tribe of children to take the man down that had just taken my husband to the ground. And we fought and we screamed and we survived And what I found so interesting is that we spend a lot of time in our life just surviving, right? Every day, just making sure we survive. And and then we waste a lot of our ability to actually live our lives because we just have to survive. And at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, you are so instinctually wired to survive that it, it kicks in. And that like how we, again, I always think of that fear that keeps you alive versus the fear that keeps you from living. And like in, at at the core, we're very good at at the fear that keeps you alive. And we just, we survived and we were able to fend off our attacker and our family's fine. Um, Obviously a bit rearranged with how we're kind of processing it all, but we're
0: all, we're all surviving. Yeah. I mean. First of all, what a terrifying experience. I think, you know, on one level to be attacked, but then I think as a mama to be attacked mm-hmm. with your children in tow is like a different level. <laughs> and it also, I would imagine a different level of sort of instinctual guttural response.
1: Yeah, it was to the core. I, I was um surprised because I thought for sure like if you had to like play it out for me I assumed I would run like if somebody danger let's all run yeah. and and the fact that we ran into danger to protect one another was it was very interesting and again you just you just don't really I don't know if you can plan for it or know what you're going to do but I think what like you're right like when your kids your whole family's there there's a- absolutely no choice except for protect protect the clan and yeah and that's what we did everybody just came together as a pretty united front and so even though it's awful and it's terrible there were some takeaways from that that will definitely that will definitely change change us and not all for the worse if that makes sense
0: yeah, what do you think some of those takeaways are? I mean, I know it's early, even to have processed right. through it.
1: There's a couple of things. Um, it, it was sweet. The baby, baby that's ten. Mm-hmm. He his takeaway from it a couple of days later is we were walking to the bus, and he's like, "Hey, mom, I sure love being an Oberg," and I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. why is that, buddy?" He's like, "Because we support each other." So for Spencer. This like awful thing. He, so I think as adults, a lot of our trauma right now is more in the, oh my God, it could have been. And we're like, so we're, we're like projecting all the worst case scenarios that could have happened. And then we're like torturing ourselves with that. Whereas a 10 year old, he's not living in that kind of like projecting too far forward with the anxiety of the future. He's just right here in the present moment. He's not actually trying to rewrite the past of what happened or what we could have done differently. He's literally just like, you know, something went down. We supported each other. And did you remember my cold lunch? You know, so it's just like, it's just like through that. And it's like, I'm so, I'm always so, he always has such an, an interesting insight on the world. And to remember that, like, actually a bad thing happened and we're okay. And we did support each other. And, and we'll just move on and carry on. And
0: so, yeah. yeah he's like, I'm a member of the Incredibles family and- <laughs> Life is pretty cool.
1: You know, the screaming and all the like I said at one point, it was like one of those cat clouds, the big fight like we didn't know there was like a limb coming out and tussling on the jungle floor and we, you know, we just like we didn't know what was what and screaming and and I can sort of like say it like this at this point because here we all are on the other side. Right. Um the other interesting part was is earlier before we walked down that path, we had seen this man on the beach and we knew he was no good. Like we had that like whisper inside and like I identified him. My husband was like, I don't know about that guy. Like, and one of my children, we all saw this man and like that sixth sense that you have. And then like we saw him, we knew something and we just sort of muted that. And I do... I do really think that we'll be better at maybe paying a little bit more attention to that whisper. If that makes sense. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And hindsight Uh, is really powerful for that, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I know.
0: How do you, you go ahead? No, go ahead. You know, for some people, this would, um, like be the very excuse that they were looking for to never get on a flight again and leave the country Mm -hmm. and sort of hunker down and lapse into fear. And, and they wouldn't be faulted for that. Right. I mean, that was, this was Mm a major event for your family, but my sense is, is that that is not going to, I mean, the fact that you're already able to speak about it with such wholeheartedness, to be honest and insight is amazing. Um, but you're getting on a plane again. I know that to be true. And so how do you, how do you move forward from something like this and, and greet the world as the adventurer that you are still? Right.
1: It's funny because my oldest, I remember he was in fourth grade and he got burned by hot chocolate and he vowed to not drink hot chocolate ever again in his life. Right. Like rather than like I was dead to him. Yeah. dead. I think it was like seven years before he had hot chocolate again. Yeah. Right. And it's like, truly, you could have been burned on coffee, a million other things like, or you just like, let it cool or test it, or you just do things a little differently. And so that's kind of how I look at travel or really anything because bad things can happen anywhere at any time. And there's a line about, so I love, I love, love, love to travel. Mm-hmm. And there's right. a line in this Lakota prayer that just actually this prayer kept coming to me after this, how to love beyond your fear. And obviously I'm not going to pretend I don't have fear about it. Right. And fear of like just a lot of things. Right. And so can I share that poem with you?
0: I would love it. Yeah. If you okay.
1: Have it. Yeah. I have it memorized. I love this one. The Lakota prayer. Teach me how to trust my heart, my mind, my intuition, my inner knowing, the senses of my body, the blessings of my spirit. Teach me how to trust these things so that I may enter my sacred space and love beyond my fear and thus, walk in balance with the passing of each glorious sun. Hmm. Yeah. And that sums it all up, right? Trust my heart, trust my intuition, right? And how to actually listen to it, that inner knowing, and then we get to love beyond our fear.
0: Well, that is just absolute wisdom and beauty and just such power, Wendy, truly. I mean, And it also, I mean, an event like you just went through can, can give you insight into your own power.
1: Mm.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. the ability, the fact that you did mobilize and protected your family when your husband was down and didn't freeze. You know, I've I've taught a, a weekend at the yoga room where we talked all about Polyvagal theory and this idea of you know when we're really faced with something we run or we fight or often we freeze you know we just don't do anything and so I, I can't help but think that your years of consistent yoga practice of paying attention to the present moment of um, of connecting with your breath gave you a, a a true power in that moment that you probably didn't think you possessed.
1: Oh, I was shocked at my response. And I agree. Like when you practice yoga, we we do the warrior series, right? We are warrior one and we are warrior two and we are warrior three. And every time we step on the mat, there's this opportunity to remind us that like, we are so unbelievably powerful. Mm -hmm. And we step on that mat and it's like, we live a little lifetime in that one hour. It's like, You know, we're born, we move about, and then we end with Shavasana, we practice that. And and so I do, I think it is a training ground. I think every time we unroll that mat and we step into our power, and we just step into it, and we never know when we're going to need it. But it is about strength, absolutely. And I remember my very first day of yoga school, my yoga teacher was asking everybody, like, why are you here? and my 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 meaning was like something super deep like to do camel pose better or something like that right <laughs> you know yeah. something really deep and she's like no you're all actually here to learn how to live without fear and i just remember like no nah, i don't think so but like and how that line has actually kind of been my true north through all of it how to live without fear and not like again, like we talked about the fear that keeps you alive versus the fear that keeps you from living. But I think we're just so afraid. We're afraid to not be enough or we're afraid to do something wrong or to fail or whatever it is. But we actually don't have to be because if we get down to it,
0: we know how to survive. We absolutely do. Yeah. I mean, you're proof of that. And then it's also perspective, right? I mean, I love that idea of of the type of fear because so much of our lives are our life force energy is frittered on the fear of what might happen, right? Mm. It's in the what ifs um, versus when you're actually in a life threatening situation, you, you really mobilize a different kind of energy. But I wonder too, if your perspective since then, and I know it has not been long, if there is a sense of just gratitude for life that was dulled before that happened, if that almost revealed something else in terms of your, your perspectives on Just the life that you're blessed to lead. Oh,
1: without a doubt. There's so much, you know, every anytime you have that near that aha where you almost have the car accident or the car skids or something almost happens. It's like, it is like that little wake-up call that's like, just remember to appreciate all of it. Don't let a second of it go by without gratitude. And then that feels safe again. Like, right? Like the minute you kind of freak out and you're like, oh my gosh. And then you come back to that moment of gratitude and then you're safe for a moment. It's like you don't have that that terror or that panic. And so when you get to the what ifs or it could have been, you're like but here we are now and here's what's good and absolutely gratitude.
0: Gratitude and the breath, right? We're oh. like back to the moment and re- reminding the body and the nervous system that in this moment we are truly we're here and we're safe. Mhm. I'm just so grateful for the way that we're made in that way and, and the knowledge that the breath can do that for us. It is. It's it's so basic,
1: but we sometimes forget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. And our bodies are so cool and our ability to survive and to evolve and to heal and, you know, maneuver and just keep standing.
0: Yeah. Listen, Wendy, my, my wish and my prayer for you and your family is, is healing and processing and leaning into that idea that you truly are the Incredibles and that you're, you know, that you did this together. What a, what a story. And I really want to, I want to thank you for just being you for the light that you bring into the world every day that you, you know, open the doors at that yoga room. I just I feel the difference that you have made in one of my favorite places on earth, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, I'm really thrilled that you're going to be sharing that gift more widely in different spaces. I look forward to, you know, the continued success of of this really beautiful model and place you have created and just keep on living wholeheartedly. Thank you so much. Thank you.